Say, bless the Lord, if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord, bless his holy name. Good evening, Kairos. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Kairos is our honest and unique attempt to connect to God and each other. Um, if you're new here, thanks for being here. Um, if you're just considering the claims of Christ or you're religiously skeptical or you are a fully devoted follower of Christ, um, I think there's something in tonight's service for you, and I'm praying that you'll have eyes to see it and ears to hear it. Um, if it's okay with you guys tonight, I'm going to jump right into our text, get the plow in the ground, and one of the things we like to do um, is we like to read the text and then pray that it'll read us. And so we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 55 tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, would you turn there or look at it on your phone? That's always good to be able to interact with the Word of God. I'll pray for us as we're turning there. Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen? Isaiah 55, we'll read verses 1 through 5. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, can I get an amen? Come. Buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear to me and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. So it seems pretty straightforward, right? Come, all you who are hungry and thirsty. These are well-worn phrases in Scripture and in our worship songs. They're used to describe our soul's deepest desires, that our satisfaction and our sustenance come from the person of Jesus Christ. Many of you may nod your head in agreement with me when I remind you that in the New Testament, we find that Jesus is the bread of life in John chapter 6. He's the living water in John chapter 4 and 7. And we realize that even in the Old Testament, the text points to and proclaims that Jesus is the source and sustenance of our souls. But we still have hunger pains, don't we? We find that our souls crave beauty as much as bread and that we're thirsty for wonder as much as we are for water. 
And why is it that some of us have the nagging sense that even when we have enough to eat and drink, both physically and spiritually, that we're still hungry and thirsty for something more? Why is it that even though we know as children of God, we have unlimited access to his mercy and to his majesty, to his glory and to his goodness, to his body and to his blood, yet we still fight the fact that our flesh still craves more. I think the truth is revealed in this text because we find out that we spend our time and money on foods and goods that do not satisfy. And even when we drain to the dregs all the world has to offer, its endless pleasures and commodities, there's still in us an undying thirst for spiritual things. And when we pursue those things, we discover not only has it not quenched our thirst, we discover that when we satisfy ourselves with what the world has to offer, we're oftentimes more dehydrated and desperate than when we first began. And so what do we do? We collect and consume more, more pleasure, more products, more people to tell us that we're important, valued, and loved, the undying thirst and unending hunger to achieve, to perform, to profess, torment us into addiction, debt, and workaholism. And in the end, those things only rob us of the very peace that they promise to give. And the truth behind the lie tonight is, it's never enough, is it? Have you guys noticed uh, lately in our compulsive consumeristic society, I just like to say those two words together because it makes me sound really intelligent. Um, but there's been a shift in our marketing and advertising. Um, companies know what will motivate you to spend money for things that you don't need for the promise of things that you can't even buy in the first place. Now, I'm a child of the 80s, maybe the 90s. I was still immature, even in, in my 20s. But it seemed like the cutting edge of advertising and marketing was sexuality, right? If we can put as many provocative images on a product, man, sex will sell. But in the 2000s, it seems like there's been a different shift. It seems as if advertisers and marketers have found a limitless source of motivation to get you to buy spend and consume more and it's your spiritual hunger and thirst don't take my word for it Tom Stein who is not writing from a faith perspective wrote an article entitled how advertising has co-opted spirituality here's what he writes advertisers are hawking everything from burgers to hair care by appealing ironically to our most immaterial yearnings Chapman University sociologist Bernard McGrain observes, the promise that they're providing is that life will become radiant through consumption. If consumerism is the religion of our day, then advertising is the liturgy and the high priest. Perhaps that claim has merit when you realize that by the time the average American reaches the age of 20, they will have consumed more than one million commercials. And this all adds up to one undeniable truth. Our spiritual appetites to hunger and thirst after God have been sabotaged and have been reprogrammed. Or in the words of Isaiah, we spend our money on food and goods that do not satisfy.
Did you guys notice this during the Super Bowl? Anybody watch the Super Bowl? Usually you watch the Super Bowl for the game or the halftime show or the commercials. I've never met someone who's watched it for all three. You're the perfect person, so you're holy and complete, lacking nothing. Congratulations, I'd like to meet you later, but normally people get really violent about what they're watching the game actually for, and they usually hate each other, like, oh my gosh, we're not watching this game for commercials, but whoever you are, um, there's a couple ads, if you start to put this filter on, you'll notice it. Um, Ford had a commercial entitled, I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. And in the commercials, there's illustrating scenes of people who are frustrated being struck in traffic or outside a locked door or falling over on their big wheel. And the words of Nina Simone's civil rights anthem is playing in the background. Break all the chains holding me. And then the answer is Ford is developing a new way for you to live life free. That's troubling to me on a couple levels. Um, one, I don't think Nina Simone, when she was advocating for equal rights for all races, thought one day her poem would be used to sell Ford Fusion. The second place that's troubling for me, those phrases, I wish I knew how it would feel to be free, break all the chains holding me, and a new way to live life free are all gospel messages. Or take Audi. Did you guys see this commercial? I'll be honest, I teared up at it. It's this father and it's montage scene of his little girl in a boxcar race. And she's the only girl. She takes off, she's in the lead. And he's talking about what it's gonna be like for her to grow up. And as she crosses the line ahead of all the boys, you hear her father ask, do I tell her she will automatically be valued as less than every man she meets? And then Audi announces that they are committed to equal pay for equal work. What are they doing? They're echoing the theme found in Galatians 3.28 and the origins of the human rights movements, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there's neither slave or freak, Greek or Jew, male or female, but that we are all one in Christ Jesus, made in the image of God. And their solution to get there? Buy a luxury car. It gets worse. The more that you look for it, the more profane and prominent it becomes. Victoria's Secret is asking you what kind of angel you are. Here's why this is troubling on so many levels. They are using spiritual images to promote ideas that lie precisely at the opposite of the image's original meaning. So, you have an image that correlates spiritual peace to now buying stuff, or an image that communicates purity, which is correlated to illicit sex. And possibly the worst one, if it wasn't just so downright funny and blasphemous, is a shampoo called Abba. And Abba's phrase is, we want to harness the healing power of nature and rediscover how real beauty comes from within. Abba is the Aramaic word that Jesus used to describe his relationship with his father and the relationship we could have with him through him. And now you can find healing power to discover your own beauty through Abba, a shampoo. You can buy a God for $10. 
And as you laugh, you don't realize it's reprogramming your spiritual thirst and hunger into buying products to meet a need only God could ever satisfy. Now hear me, I'm not cratchety old prophet preacher guy up here going, stop buying stuff, all right? Put your smartphones down, you kids. That's not the message I want you to walk away with here. I'm not opposed to purchasing products. I'm opposed to purchasing spirituality and contentment. I think that's only possible through the gospel, and Jesus already purchased that for us. I'm not opposed to consumerism or capitalism. I'm opposed to idolatry. And if you don't take my word for it, Listen to Doug Gilmore, who's the president of an advertising firm in Lake Spur, California, and he said this, most marketing books will tell you to go for some real estate in people's heads. I want to go after some real estate in people's souls. And the truth is that many of us have willingly or unwillingly undervalued the property value of our soul. We have wrongfully appraised the real estate of our lives only to discover we have gone into moral, financial, or spiritual foreclosure. But I'm here tonight to tell you that God, through his gospel and through Jesus Christ, wants to declare to you that regardless of the state that you're in, he will buy it back. That's the literal definition of redeem. Redemption, when we sing about that, that literally means to buy back from slavery, to pay the debts that are owed, to purchase your freedom back. And with all the power and authority over death and sin in the grave, Jesus wants to declare eminent domain and purchase your soul back from slavery and sin, to buy it back from consumerism and cynicism, and to buy it back from apathy or addiction so that you can be fully free, fully devoted, follower of Christ, who is enlisted in the commonwealth called the kingdom of God, where the power and presence of Jesus Christ are available to you every day without purchasing a product to make you feel better about yourself. And I love the way that Jesus just simply says it. What does it profit a person to gain the whole world and yet lose their very soul? And in our text tonight, I think you'll just see these incredible, bold, imperative commands that the author continues to repeat on behalf of God. Come, listen, and see. Come, all who are hungry and thirsty. Listen, so that your soul may live. And see, through my son Jesus, how I want to endow you with glory and splendor. This is the life you were designed to live in my image and in my kingdom. Come, listen, and see. Here's what I think is amazing about this prophetic sequence here. The children of God find their substance and satisfaction for their souls in Jesus. And once we come, once we listen, and once we see, we are fully equipped For Jesus' message and mission to make disciples that make disciples. Simply by walking backwards through the steps. Because once we've come and listened and we see, we know that God satisfies our hunger and thirst. We know that we can hear his voice and our souls can live. And we can see that we can live in partnership with his glory and his splendor. Then our job 
is to be light to a dark world. And maybe finally, others will finally see in us a person who is fully satisfied in Jesus, regardless of the circumstance we're walking through. Finally, others will see in us someone who drinks deeply from the person and passion of Jesus. Finally, someone will see in us someone who lives their life sacrificially and substantially in the kingdom of God. Then they will be willing to listen. Listen to our words, reflecting and echoing Jesus' words. Then they will be willing to listen, to truly hear about how they can truly eat and be delighted and find satisfaction and nourishment for their souls. Then maybe they'll truly listen and learn how to hear the voice of God so that their soul may live. And then finally, they'll come. They'll come with their hunger and their thirst. And they'll finally trust Jesus with it. They'll come and experience for themselves the bread of life and the living water that truly satisfies our soul. And they will come from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And they'll praise the name of Jesus to the glory of God. Because we were people that came and listened and saw. We were people that tasted and have seen that the Lord is good. And he's so good, we couldn't keep it to ourselves. So let us come, listen, and see tonight, not just for ourselves, but so that others may see, listen, and come. Amen? So normally we take about 120 seconds and we practice what we call listening prayer. We try to write it down and after we've sat underneath the worship and word, we just want to hear what the Lord will say to us. But so the band comes up, would you guys be okay if I kind of pastored you through a couple questions that maybe the Lord wants you to interact with tonight? Uh, the first thing is I'd like for you to talk to the Lord about what are you truly hungry and thirsty for tonight? You don't have to give the spiritual answer. What are the honest to goodness hunger and thirst that is driving your life right now. I know for some of my friends right now, it's physical healing. Their body's betraying them and they're hungry to be made whole. Is it the restoration of a relationship? Is it, I'm just hungry to be able to find consistent work? Are you just hungry for someone to actually notice you and miss you when you're not around? Are you hungry for your boring, monotonous life to truly have eternal significance other than what it provides for other people? So think about that. Tell the Lord. What are you truly hungry and thirsty for? And listen, that your soul may live. What do you think the Father wants to say to that hunger and thirst? Does he want to remind you? Come, all who are hungry and thirsty. I am the source and sustenance for your souls. What does he want to show you about how you're squandering your true appetites? Does he want to point out something that 
you've been consistently feeding on that's turning your stomach and that it wasn't designed for you. Listen. And hear the voice of the Lord so your soul may live. And after you've encountered those two questions with the Lord, the last one I'll leave you with tonight is, who will you see tomorrow that's far from God who needs to see Jesus in you? Who will you see tomorrow that you know is hungry and thirsty? And you need to have a very specific and significant spiritual conversation with them. Come, listen, and see.